Jim Britt and Jim Lutz had a vision, and the Change Book series was developed. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, Work-Life Balance Specialist, Deb Crow. Join Deb Weekly, where she interviews the top co-authors from all over the globe who share their insights into self-empowerment with life-enhancing realizations that will touch every area of your life. We're live every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time. Greetings, everybody. You're tuned in to the Change Book Radio Show. My name is Rich Perry. I'm an empowerment coach and corporate trainer, also co-author of the Change Book series. Now, normally, your host is Deb Crow, but today, see, Deb has done a fantastic job of interviewing all the co-authors from around the world, but it's time for Deb Crow to get some shine. So, I'm Rich Perry. I'll be the guest host for today, and I'm I'm in here with Deb Crow. Deb, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's so nice to pass the torch to you, my friend. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, and I know that we're going to have a blast chatting today, so why don't we hop right into it? How's that? Sounds great. So, Deb, why don't now you've been doing the Change Book Radio show for a couple months now, and I know every little bit, you know, you give some inside tips on you yourself, but now it's your moment to shine. So go ahead and tell us who is Deb Crow? Well, Deb Crow is a woman that wears many, many hats, but I think my passion in life is I do both coaching rich and mentoring strictly around the topic of work-life balance. I think the way society is moving and just the incorporation of technology in the last 20 years, I think everyone is moving at warp speed. And because my background, I come from the medical world. I was a medical case manager for 23 years. So I pretty pretty much saw a lot of a lot of trauma, a lot of heartache, uh, some death. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just wanted to be able to get ahead of that curve and, and help people, whether it be stress, whether they're off work for an illness, and just really be able to incorporate some really great strategies around work-life balance and, and balancing stress as a whole. So that's, that's, my, that's my day-to-day passion right now, and that's the work that I'm doing at this time. Awesome. Was there was there something uh, personal that got you interested in work work life balance? Like, was there? I know that you said you know we're we're we are moving at light speed and warp speed and and everything is so fast paced and it's that instant gratification and a lot of people aren't taking time for themselves. Was there something in particular that got you started on work life balance and the importance of it? Well, it's probably the most popular question that I'm always asked, and there's there's two answers to the story. So the first one is I had a lot of colleagues and friends and even family members. They used to call me the Jacqueline of all trades, and I used to joke and say master of none. I I always have prided myself on my organizational skills, my time management skills. 
Um, I've been a busy entrepreneur since my early 20s and progressed through life like most people and, and got married in my late 20s. And I had our first daughter at 30 and our second daughter at 31. And when I became a mom rich, it was right in the height of my career and my clinic doing so well. And I knew if I was going to keep up at that pace that I needed to look after myself, but I wanted to be home every night with my kids. I wanted to have dinner. I wanted to show my girls that you could still be a good mom and still work and still have that balance. But at that time, as I look back from 1996, right up until 2013, I didn't realize that I was doing a really good job, but at the same time, I decided in 2011 that I was going to close my practice. And I, when I'm talking to people as a keynote, I really talk about compassion fatigue because when you work with individuals, and I know you can relate to this with your therapy background, it's really difficult and you have to be stringent as a health professional to make sure that you don't take on the symptoms and, and the onset of what your clients are going through. And that almost could be like a full-time job. So I realized in the process of closing my clinic that I had all these transferable skills and within case management, I was actually assisting the families of my clients with work-life balance to help them through a, a trauma. So it was really a role that evolved for me when I closed my clinic and one that I think I've transitioned to really beautifully. Awesome. Now, I I remember from when I was doing therapy and now as a coach, and maybe this is something that you've seen, as counselors, as clinicians, you know, we're transferring these skills to people and we're talking about, you know, positive mental and emotional health. Yet many times I noticed that the therapists themselves weren't taking their own medicine, so to say. They weren't. Uh, proactive in mental and emotional health. They had stressful lives and they weren't talking about their own issues to other people. They were allowing the weight of the world to carry them down, yet they're talking about, they're, they're trying to help their, their, their patients or their clients. Now, in what you're talking about, work-life balance, is that something you saw too, like fellow clinicians were supposed to be helping other people with their problems, yet they were allowing their own personal problems weigh them down? Is that something you saw as well? Oh, it's that's a really valid point. And it's something that I, I still see, and it's probably one of the biggest proponents that I contribute to in coaching or mentoring. You You cannot be the best of yourself for your clients if you don't have the strength and the tenacity to handle your own life and, and give back and have that self-care. Um, I know that you're a big yogi guy and I do a mm -hmm. lot of yoga. I do a lot of meditation. And I just find that when I'm, when I allot myself that time every day, a, it's one of the best strategies in my opinion for relaxation, but it just allows me to calm my mind, clear my mind. And then whatever activity I choose to come back to after that, I just find that my mental agility is almost reset and it's clearer. But it's it's such a good point, Rich, because I'm hoping to shift a culture and, and shift a mindset. And I want to get to the men and women and the corporations 
before they have that breakdown, whether it's physical, emotional. And unfortunately, I'm not getting ahead of the curve as fast as I can, but I'm hopeful as I educate more and more people every year that it's something that both individuals and corporations will see as money well spent back into your health. Because once you have a diagnosis, it's very, very difficult to go backwards. And a lot of people don't do anything rich until they get that diagnosis. And that, that makes me really sad that they don't put the value back on their health until something happens. Absolutely. And I will say that in the year that I've known you, I have absolute faith that you're going to do just that. So absolute faith that you're going to do it. Um, now, when I met you, I, you were, you were, you told me your name was Mama Deb. Can we just hit on that real quick? I love hearing this story. And then I just, you know, let's, let's tell the listeners about Mama Deb, how you got that name real quick. So interesting story. There's always a story, Rich. Um, when I had, when I had decided to close my practice, I think initially it was, it was around 2010, early 2011. And I hired a business coach and she had, uh, devised a plan with me that I would make the announcement in January of 2013, because there was a lot involved and I had a lot of cases and, and, and they all ranged from, minimal to severely complex. So I knew that I needed to have a two-year plan. So I made the announcement in January and it took me to the fall and I closed my practice in September. And in October, I got on a plane and I flew to Tuscany, Italy with my business coach. And there were nine other women from all over the world. And Throughout the week, we, you know, we, we mastermind and we chatted and, and we just had amazing camaraderie. But the interesting thing was on the last night we had dinner and I told the story that I'm about to go into. So the youngest boy that I ever had on my caseload, we'll, we'll call him David. He was two years old and he was run over in a parking lot by a Suburban. So you're getting a visual. Suburban's a pretty big vehicle. So him and his sister were sitting in the parking lot. They were run over. A couple decided to try an alternate activity uh, whilst driving, and it didn't really work in their favor. So this was in Windsor, Ontario. And what I'm, what I'm conveying is not um, breaching confidentiality because this has been in the Windsor Star multiple times. So Windsor, Ontario is right on the border of Michigan. David was two and he was rushed to the hospital and they closed, uh, there was a, they, they basically pronounced him dead and then in walked uh, a neurotrauma team from sick kids in Detroit and they looked at the mom and they said, we can save your son, David. And they closed the Windsor tunnel and within 16 minutes they had him from the, from Canada to the United States. And in the OR, and a, a, an amazing neurosurgeon named Dr. Sood from India saved David's life. So as I got to know the family, you can only imagine the level of trauma that this mother was going through. So the father also decided to, to leave this family because he didn't want a disabled son. 
And I, I was always, and I still am intrigued by human behavior and, and how they respond to trauma. So as he needed follow-up neurosurgeries, and he had five in total, I was attending them. So after the third neurosurgery in Detroit, his mother had said to me she wanted to go out and have a smoke break. I said, no problem. I'm sitting in recovery. So he woke up and just picture this. I see this little hand come through the side of the bed rail that you can pull up and down. And he was really, really groggy. And he looked at me and he just had the funniest little look on his face. And he said, Mama Deb, is that really you? And I said, it is. And in walked his mother and she, her eyes filled up with tears. And I said, are you okay that David calls me that? And she said, if anyone else is going to be a mother to my son, she said, I would only want it to be you. So I promised her and him in that moment, because he was three, it was a year later, he was three at the time, that I would use that name for the greater good. So the last night of dinner in the castle in Tuscany, all of my mastermind friends and my business coach said, that's how we're going to launch you being a work-life balance specialist is we're going to use Mama, Mama Deb because it just has such a maternal success story to it. So I've been Mama Deb since February of 2013. Awesome. I love that story. Thank you so much. And Deb, you are, we're going to transition real quick to um, your title in the change book. And since this is the change book radio show, your chapter is work-life balance seen through the eyes of a Renaissance woman. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your chapter what you discuss in your chapter and maybe even like why you chose that particular title. So my, my story for this question is so similar to the many co-authors that I've had the privilege to interview. So I am working on a whole book on work-life balance and it's, it's going to be around 45,000 words. So when Jim and Jim called me in January, I said to them, I absolutely want to do this. I, Rich, I didn't even think twice about doing it. I just, I had just put out to the universe that I, I wanted 2015 to be full of amazing, like-minded, progressive, positive people to come into my life. And it, and it started right in January. And I was also thinking to myself, 3,000 words is, a, is much nicer than 45,000. And I thought it's going to give me an opportunity to write my chapter and maybe leave the listeners or the the readers hanging a little bit so they'd want more. And that's been the feedback that I've had. But I just wanted to take a light approach to work-life balance, give a nice kind of cross-section to work-life balance, give some tips, and just to let people know it's, you know, it's my favorite quote. It's It's not a trend. It's a lifestyle. It's about making proper decisions. But it's also about letting go of perfection, because I think so many individuals, and I'm going to pick on women, because I think women try to be, you know, perfect, the perfect mom, the perfect wife, and and there's just no such thing. So I'm always promoting and enhancing progression. And it's like riding a bike, like, we're all going to have days where life throws us a curveball, whether it's a sickness of a loved one, or we lose a loved one. 
it doesn't mean that you're giving up the work-life balance that you've created and are living. It's that you can accept what is thrown your way and then you get back on the bike as soon as you can. There doesn't have to be these um, pressures or timelines. There's no perfect slate to work-life balance. And that's probably the biggest barrier I'm trying to break down, Rich, because I find the baby boomers are different from the Gen Xers who are different from the Gen Ys. And then this generation right now is so technology-based. So it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. But I'm finding most people are starting to take a more proactive approach to their life and not waiting until something breaks down in their life. Awesome. Now, how – I'm always curious because – I know what it was like when I received my invitation. Can you tell the listeners out there how you felt? What was your response when you got the invitation by Jim and Jim to be a co-author in the Change Book series? Well, I had seen Jim Britt speak um, in my mid-20s and then again in my 30s. So, I had I had seen him speak from the stage and I always was really drawn to what a compelling professional speaker he was and he's just got such a approachable gentle demeanor. So I was kind of starstruck in the beginning and then I didn't I didn't know Jim Lutz as well and then when I went to California in April and met them just spending the weekend with them just it just further solidified to me that I had made the right decision. But more importantly, Rich, I had put that out there at the beginning of the year that I wanted to be surrounded by amazing entrepreneurs who were like-minded and progressive. So to be asked to join something that was so much bigger than life itself to me, um, you can see where I ran with it. I've, I've reached out to almost all the authors. Um, we're now on book 11 We're now in 23 plus countries and over 220 authors. So for me, I just felt uh, this social connection. And when I asked to do the radio show, it was just so, so welcome. So you can see that I've taken this chapter and really ran with it. And I just have so many beautiful connections that I just feel like I'm evolving every day from knowing you and, and the other 200 plus authors in the change. Absolutely. That was that was actually my next um, my next point. So either you're uh, looking off my notes or we're that much in sync. A lot of what Jim and Jim are encouraging, the whole purpose of this book series, well, one of the main purposes was collaborating with like minds to have all these experts from around the world sharing their tips and strategies for self-empowerment and personal development and it's a lot of collaboration and what have you experienced I'm curious in meeting and exchanging ideas and working with like-minded leaders from around the world what what's been your collaboration with with all these people from around the world well, I, I wish you could see my desk right now because you wouldn't think <laughs> I, I had balance. But 
nothing shy of phenomenal. Um, like this morning, I I had an hour conversation with Mike Greenlee. I believe he's in book eight. I'm talking to so many of you now, Rich. I can't remember who's in what book. But I'm also working with Kay Sanders out of Texas, and we've created a website called Leaders of Mastery, and I am creating an online course on work-life balance, and we will be launching that on March the 15th. So I'm, I'm just, I'm very, very excited about that. But my big scary dream goals for this year that I'm going to bring to fruition is I've designed a one-day women's course, Rich. And it's called Women on the Go. And we've decided the website's going to be Sole Women on the Go. And what I've done is I've created a one-day woman's conference that will address how to manage all aspects of your life. So the first one is going to be in California on April the 15th. And the exciting part for me is I want to do this in California, Texas, and Atlanta this year. And the caveat to that is whatever city I'm in, I'm coupled with all of my co-author friends that live in that city. So, for example, in California, Jim Brewer is our keynote speaker. And then I'm going to be working with Tamara Renee, Stacey Carnaludi, Asha Mankowska, and then Sherry Brantley, who's just come out, I think, in book nine or book ten. I've asked her to be our master of ceremonies. And then we also have Susan Freeze out of L.A. who has a phenomenal online radio show. So I've just created this amazing one-day model to empower women. And I'm just very excited for that because April will be here before we know it. And then in the fall in Atlanta with uh, Tracy Randall and Dr. Butler that was in book five with us and Glenda Thomas. And then in Texas, uh, hopefully you'll be living there. And I'm going to join forces with you and Lawrence and Kay Sanders and Sandy Mitchell. So I'm just, I'm taking this collaboration and I'm just turning it into mini projects that I want to do between this year and also next year. And then I'm also working with Johnny Morney out of Dubai. And that's my other goal is to go to Dubai this year and speak on work-life balance because I'm going to shift a culture and why not start in a country where only 23% of the women work? I think that's where I'm going to leave my footprint. That's the legacy that I'd like to leave for my children is it's not about balancing work with the laundry and running your kids to and from soccer. I want to get to a culture that doesn't have the same values and beliefs as we may have in North America. And I know that I have, I have the grit and I have the want uh, to do that. So that's my other exciting thing. So I'm working with two women entrepreneurs in Dubai right now to hopefully schedule and secure a contract to speak in Dubai. That is, that, that's amazing. And I'm sure the listeners right now are just in awe of, I mean, you, I remember you making the announcement on our private chat that this was something you were going to do, and it seems like you just waved your your dead magic wand, and within a day you had all of these locations as well as the speakers, and you were already working on the logistics. Now, 
one of the things, so, I mean, right, right there, I have to give you tons of gold stars and kudos. Now, a lot of people, maybe, maybe there's even some people listening right now that, you know, they hear all these wonderful things and maybe someone's going to think, oh, well, you know, someone did it for her. But I know that you're someone, and this is something that I talk about, recognizing opportunities and taking initiative. And you're someone that clearly recognizes opportunities and takes initiative. Do you have any insights or motivation, motivational words for someone that's listening that wants to do something and they're not sure even how to get started or what to do. I mean, you you whipped out this women's event, this women's empowerment event in a in a matter of days and it's already come to fruition. Do you have any tips, any insights for the people listening right now? Absolutely. So, you know, it's an old cliche, but it's it's one that resonates with me uh because I've had a lot of loss in my family. My my dad passed away at 54, my dad my brother passed away at 43. So, now that I'm turning 50 this year, you you look at life in a different way. And the biggest thing that I've learned from Jim Britt and Jim Lutz is if you want it, the only thing stopping you is you. So when people say how did you you know, how did Dubai come? I realized we had a new co-author in the change from Dubai. I picked up, uh, I, I found his contact details, his website, and I called him. Jim Lutz talks about this all the time. And, you know, you and I have joked about this, but there's a lot of merit and a lot of truth. Entrepreneurship's very lonely. So I make a point every day of meeting three new people that I'm putting into my circle of influence or I'm hoping that I will be embraced and welcomed into them. And I don't mean Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I mean picking up the phone and having a great conversation with three new people. And that has evolved for me. So I've had initial contacts with some of the change co-authors who now are saying, how can I help you? What can I do? So not only having Jim and Jim as mentors, but the pool of talent that we have amongst the change book series, it's beyond phenomenal. You have a question about something? I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like the, the Wikipedia for, for the skills inventory because I get the, the privilege of interviewing, but it allows me to interview the co-authors. And if I know there's synergy with another co-author, if we talk about it on the radio show, as soon as we're done the radio show, I'm introducing them by email. And I always say to them, pick up the phone. So I know there's a lot of people that have social anxiety and they, they love to hang out behind their computer. Nothing will ever replace the art of communication for me, Rich. I love a good intellectually stimulating conversation. I love looking somebody in the eye. I love shaking someone's hand. But I think the most important thing that I want to say in this interview is one of the things that I pride myself on is I'm a very, very well-honed listener. So when I'm engaged in a conversation, whether we're on the phone, on a radio show, face-to-face, -face, I'm listening to you to process and learn. I'm not listening to respond. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that I see when I'm at networking events is people just not paying attention and just, 
in such a rush to answer. And I'm sitting there thinking in my mind, did you really hear what I said? And you can tell, I mean, you know, from your therapy background, there's nonverbal cues, there's body language, there's all those elements of communication that Lauren Polly talks about so eloquently every week on her show. And that is probably one of the biggest things that I pride myself on. And I still work at it every day, Rich, to get a little bit better each day. So that's probably my number one tip that I would say is find your inner grit or as Sandy Mitchell calls it, your inner genius. And what's the worst thing that someone can say to you? No, that just means there's not an opportunity right now. It doesn't mean they're closing the door forever. That's awesome. And I fully agree. I And I'm only agreeing out loud because you know that I agree with you. You and I have had conversations. You and I had a, a coffee Skype session last week, and that was one of the things that we were talking about is that many times people aren't bonding. They're, they're, not, they're not listening to you. They're just waiting for their chance to speak. You know, at these networking events, people, a lot of them, they're just there to sell. They're not there to build a quality relationship with the person standing in front of them, they're just there to hand out their business card and everyone in the room has to buy their product or service at the end of the day. Rather than building that, that relationship and building that value and working together to see other people succeed. And that's one of the amazing things about the change book uh, series and the people that are a part of it is everyone working together to boost each other up. Is that something that you see outside? Um, I know I'm just curious, like, is it a regional thing or is it a societal thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, they're maybe only out for themselves. They're not looking to build each other and, you know, build together. Is that something you've seen as well? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that has ego inflation written all over it. And, you know, I just, I just look at those people and it just makes me realize how far I've grown as a person, as a woman, as a mom, as a, as a mother, as an entrepreneur. And I think if you allow or take flight to have ego into your business, into your practice, in, as part of your persona, it really does not help your branding because I, the last thing I am is salesy. I want to be, I want to be someone that uh, people talk about that say she she's helpful. And again, that's why I try and meet three new people every day. And I'm trying to help the co-authors in the change. And I just always try and be a help to people who maybe I have uh, some information or I've gone through an experience or I've done a project. And now I feel like I'm getting it back tenfold being thrust into this global community of massive talent. And I can honestly say to you, I have not met anyone of that description within the change, which just goes to show the the foundation and the branding and the quality of people that Jim and Jim have looked to recruit to this global community. And it's just funny, Rich, because when I come across people like that, 
I'm just silent and I just smile and it, it's almost instinct to me now. Like I, as soon as I, I see that there, there's more of an intent for marketing or sales and it's not about building a relationship, I think it shows us as human beings how much we can evolve. And sometimes the best thing to do is to just be silent. It's one of the best responses ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I will certainly agree with you in that the caliber of people, the experts that Jim and Jim have brought in, um, for me, and I'm sure with you as well, it's grown from just, you know, possible business connections to really building lifelong friendships. And that's something that I know Jim and Jim have stated from the beginning. I mean, you and I talk on a weekly, sometimes even like a daily basis, just chatting here and there. There's a lot of people that I've grown and I now consider them friends, even though I've never met them, but I talk to them on the phone. I talk to them through Skype and I'm so looking forward to standing in their presence and giving a handshake or giving a hug. And that's the most beautiful thing about the change book. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, you know, I get the neatest little text messages or emails and there was uh, an author, co-author last week, I think it was 10 o'clock at night and, and my phone rarely goes off at night and I thought it was unusual and I saw the text message and I hadn't chatted to him in a while and he had just said to me, I realized today that you're, you're the central hub of all of us co-authors and you're bringing us all together and I just want you to know how grateful I am just in case someone hasn't told you. And it was so funny because you don't realize the depths of the work that you do or your your intentions. And then a beautiful message like that came in. And I was, uh, it, it just really touched my heart. It was from uh, Lucas Roback. And I, I told him that. I said, you just, you just make all the hard work worthwhile. Awesome. Awesome. Deb, now... You have the book coming. You have a women's conference that you've got going around the country and even around the globe. Is there anything else (laughs) that you have planned for 2016 or beyond? Like what, what else is there that you could possibly be doing to just brand yourself and launch into superstardom right now? Well, it's funny you said that. I had a really powerful conversation with Mike Greenlee this morning, and he's just mentoring me uh, just beyond anything I could ever imagine. And he basically has said to me, why are you not doing more consulting and wrapping it into your speaking with all of your medical experience? So he is helping me develop a proposal and really wants me to start speaking to larger corporations. And again, he's he's a cheerleader for me, Rich. And it's just another element of how I can shift a culture. And I mean, if I can start at home here in North America, 
I just think it's going to be a trickle effect. So he's really pushing me out of my comfort zone and I'm just embracing it and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I do consulting now for employers to get people back off short-term disability, but Mike thinks it's time for, uh, for Deb Crow to bring it up a notch. So I'm going to evolve from Mama Deb. I will always mm-hmm. be Mama Deb and, and it was the foundation of, you know, post case manager practice. And it's time to evolve and graduate into to Deb Crow, speaker, coach, consultant. And that's that's what's on the agenda for the next 24 months. So, And you'll be right beside me. You'll be involved in a lot of my initiatives. And I'm happy about that. Awesome. And, and I am extremely honored. And you know that I'm going to be there right beside you. Um, Deb, do you have any closing words, any last offerings, anything that we didn't touch upon that you want to share with the listeners right now? Absolutely. I just, again, I I just want to give a shout out to Jim Britt and Jim Lutz because I think getting the phone call to participate is just the beginning of an amazing journey for anyone who's just coming on into our global, powerful community. And I just, I really hope each week on the radio show that the listeners can hear the love that I have for interviewing them and showcasing them. And I love reading all the chapters and I just, I really want people to reach out and I don't want to sound cliche, but life is very short and we all have dreams and we all have goals. And I just encourage you to pick up the phone and find someone who's maybe doing what you want to do and just start that mentor relationship because you have no idea the heights and the growth that it's going to take you to. And it'll just help you be a better version of yourself, which I think we all want to be in life, Rich. And I've just really had a lot of fun today, and I'm so happy you hijacked the show. And I was going to get interviewed at some point, so I've just really appreciated this time. Well, I thank you. I thank you for asking me to hijack the show and to give you some shine. Now, I don't think we touched upon it yet. Can you just give us your your website, your social media? How can people find you on the internet? So I'm in the middle of rebranding from Mama Deb to Deb Crow. So my website is mamadeb.com and our goal, Rich, is to have the new website up by Wednesday of this week. So I'm, I'm really happy because I didn't have that planned at the time when you and I organized this uh, radio interview. And I'm on Twitter, Mama Deb Crow, and Crow has an E on the end. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Pinterest. So I have a full, I think, well pronounced social media presence. So I'm, I'm welcome to connect with all the authors. And I think that's it. Awesome. Well, Deb, I thank you for being a guest on the radio show. And it's been an awesome almost 40, 45 minutes or so talking with you. And I'm so grateful to know you, to work with you, and to have the last couple minutes to to chat with you. So, Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone that's been listening to the Changebook Radio Show. I've been your host, Rich Perry, with Deb Crow. And thank you so much for listening. 
Thanks, Rich, and you have a great day. You too. Bye-bye, Deb. Bye-bye.